You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. This is John Middlecoff from 3 and Out with John Middlecoff. Superchargers, headlights, and more with over 122 million parts eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hello, welcome to another edition of Club Shay Shay. I am your host, also the proprietor of Club Shay Shay, the guy that's stopping by for a drink and conversation today with a unanimous All-American in his final season at the University of Oklahoma. He was NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year in 2007. He was NFL MVP in 2012, a seven-time Pro Bowler, four-time first-team All-Pro, unanimous All-Decade of the 2010, three-time rushing leader, two-time touchdown rushing leader, all-day Adrian Peterson. All my life. Grinding all my life, sacrifice, hustle pay the price, want a slice, got to roll the dice, that's why, all my life, I've been grinding all my life, yeah. all my life, been grinding all my life, sacrifice, hustle pay the price, want a slice, got to roll the dice, that's why, all my life, I've been grinding all my life. Hey, Pete, what's going on, bro? Not much, not much, how you doing? I'm good, bro, how you feeling? I'm feeling good, man. Feeling good, feeling rejuvenated, feeling fresh. You're coming off of year 14. Um, what have you learned about your body and, and 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 how do you what do you want to do? Well, I've learned about my body is, you know, taking care of it really pays dividends. Right. Um, so like this out of all my years, this probably has been the best offseason, you know, coming out, no injuries, nothing nagging just feeling really good and feeling fresh, you know? So I look forward to continue to play this game as long as possible. So listening at you talk now, you say you feel uh, refreshed, you're rejuvenated, you went into the off season, you don't really have any injuries. So it sounds like you're leaning towards coming back for year 15. Yes, sir, definitely. You know, um, one thing I've always told myself is I want to play this game to the point where I'm able to retire on my own. You know, you know, if my body starts telling me something different, then, you know, I'll shut it down a little earlier. But, you know, when I look back, I want to know that I put my best effort out there. I gave everything I had and I was still able to play at a high level. You said your body will tell you um, with your training. Um, it reported that you used to train five, five and a half hours a day. How have your training changed? as you've aged in the NFL? Hmm. I've cut back. Um, you know, I, I can't say I'm the same like, like I was when I was 20-something years old, you know? That the, was that the hardest thing? Because uh, I knew that the thing that hurt me 
is that as I started to age, I still tried to do the same volume. I tried to do the same intensity and it was killing my quads. It was killing my hamstrings. I didn't understand. I felt great, but my body just couldn't take that. Is that what you're finding out that you, as much as you want to, you just can't train like you could in your twenties. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's different. Especially like the main thing for me is the recovery, right? The, the recovery aspect of it is a, it's a lot longer, you know, right. I just can't snap back like I used to, you know? So I try to do things like pool workouts, Pilates I've picked up on a lot and to kind of tweak some of the things that I'm doing. You mentioned a couple of years back that you would like to try to play until your 40s. If I'm not mistaken, you're going to be 36 in a couple of months here. Do you still have aspirations of playing until your 40s as a running back? <laughs> I do. I do. I do. You know, now, you know, that's different than playing until your 40s as a quarterback. Exactly. Exactly. And people say it all the time, but Tom Brady, he's 43. I, I'm like, yeah. Totally different positions, man. You can barely yeah. those quarterbacks and they throwing the flag. I got 11 guys coming at me. So would you like, it seems to me that, and we're going to talk about this a little later, that the, the Lions, you've just finished your uh, last season with the Lions. Mm -hmm. It seems like they're going in a rebuilding mode. Is that something that you want to be a part of? I know you want an opportunity to compete for a title. Do you believe the Lions will present that opportunity for you next year? I don't know, to be honest with you, because like the quarterback situation that just took place, them bringing in, um, was name Jared? Jared Goff. Goff. Um, I don't, I don't know how he'll fit within that offense. You know, um, I feel like they have the tools offensively, but there's a lot of guys that they, they were on that last year. You know, Marvin Jones. I don't know Galladay if the these guys are not coming back, and then it's really going to be a, a rebuilding, you know, um, situation. And, and of course, that's not something that, that I, I would, you know, love to be a part of. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, who's going to give me an opportunity to come in and play? You know, right. so that's that's really the most important thing. Obviously, you know, being on a great team is is, is what I, I would prefer, you know, to have the opportunity to chase a championship. Uh, but at the end of the day, um, if that doesn't present itself, then I'm still trying to play this game at a high level and help the team try to accomplish that goal. Are you surprised the Lions traded Matthew Stafford, considering that what he was with that organization and how well he has played over the years? Are you surprised that they made this move? Yeah, I was surprised. I was surprised. And uh, it was interesting that I was talking to my dad about this the other day, that it was a mutual mutual. You know, understanding, decision. yeah, decision. I was like, hmm, that's that's very interesting. Taking that, you know, a couple other guys that played there, they, they didn't have that opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's the way of saying that one party wanted to leave. They said it was mutually. It's kind of like a relationship. When we get a divorce, it was a mutual parting of the ways. Nah, somebody said we wanted out in the same face. We both wanted out. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, that was that was an interesting move. So what are your expectations? Do you believe that Matthew Stafford coming to the uh, the Rams gives them an opportunity to win the title considering what they have around him, both offensively and defensively and the great mind of Sean McVay? Yeah, I do. I do. You know, when they, when they made the move, I was like, you know what? That was a win for, for the Rams because you think about Matt, Matthew Stafford and his game and being around him for a year, he's a very smart, you know, quarterback, you know, um, you know, some of the decisions that he he made throughout the season, you know, um, was kind of questionable, you know. Um, and but 
I, I think that kind of stemmed from his compare. He's so competitive, you know, and he's he's he'll hold on to that ball at the very last second. And sometimes it kind of costs us, you know, four or five yards here. And our defense, we didn't have that type of defense that the Rams have that they get three and out. They can overcome that, you know. So for his style, and I'm sure he he also pressed a little more because you know defensively we really weren't stout. Um, so he, I, I think he was more to, in, in the mode of he had to make something happen. Right. So being with the Rams, it's a totally different you know environment that he's going to be around. He's going to have way more opportunities. He's not going to feel like he has to you know force different things. So I have think to make every play. Every play, yeah. He don't have to do that now. So I think it's going to be a really, really good, really good move for him. You mentioned Tom Brady earlier. Tom Brady is 43, playing in his 10th Super Bowl. Um, he said about four or five years ago, he said he'd like to play to 45. They asked him the other day, he said, yeah, I might be interested in playing beyond 45. Does that give you hope that Tom Brady thinks about playing to 45, maybe beyond? Does that give you that, you know what, hmm. 40 might not be out of the possibility, but that's a long ways away. That's that's five years. That's five years from you, for you. Yeah, yeah, but it does. You know, it does. Like, when I look at guys like Tom Brady, you know, Drew Brees. Drew Brees played, yeah, 42. You know, I'm just like, that's, for me, that's motive. Even though I understand that we play different positions, mm -hmm. you know, based on how I know my body feels, like, that still is motivation for me. It's like, you know what? These guys are, you know, doing the impossible. You know, so why why can't I? Why do you believe uh, Tom has been so successful for so long to be able to play at this level? It doesn't matter the system. It doesn't matter the players around him. It seems it doesn't matter the coach that he's able to maintain and perform at a very high level. What do you think are some of the keys to his success? Uh, I, I would say number one is his, his, his mental, you know, uh, is his, his mindset. You know, um, just you just hear him talk to guys. And, like, for instance, after they won the NFC Championship game, I heard one of the linebackers, he was saying that, uh, you know, it was some guys crying or he was sharing a couple of tears. And Tom Brady was like, you know, what, what the fuck are you crying for? You know, it ain't <laughs> open, you know? Right. So just, like, having that type of mindset, uh, a lot of guys don't have it, you know? And... Um, it's clear that his work ethic has allowed him to play to 43. And I would say that's like, that's A, B, you know what I'm saying? I mean, one, one B, um, as far as the work that you put in, because anything you do, I've always been a firm believer in this is you get out what you put in, you know? So you can tell that not only is he a student of the game, but he works his mechanics. Um, and he's still been doing it for a long time, you know? So, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Who's retiring first, you or Frank Gore? <laughs> Frank Gore. <laughs> you you gonna wait him out? <laughs> I got to. He already two years. He got two years uh, over me right now. So I, I'm playing catch up. Look, let's stop beating around the bush. We know what you want. You want that eighteen thousand three hundred and fifty-five <laughs> held by Emmitt Smith. That's what you want. Let's be real, like, Let's be all the way one hundred. That's what you want. That is what I want. But I, I can't sit here and say I want that more than a championship. Yeah. I, I definitely want a championship. But to sit here and say that 18 is, you know, passing the image is not something that I'm, I'm, I'm chasing to, I, I would be lying to you. I definitely want to do that. But the, the thing is, the question that I have for you is that do you think you're going to get the opportunities 
because that's a little, you're a little over 4,000 yards away. Are you going to get the opportunities? Are you going to get the carries that's going to give you the number to get to that? I think it's possible. I, I really do. I, I really do. You know, get into a, a situation where, you know, I'm getting 200 carries, 160 carries, you know, making the best of, of those opportunities um, is, is all I can ask for, you know. Um, so I, I feel like that opportunity can present itself. But you know, if you're getting that few of carries, you used to you used to 300 carries. Yeah. So you know you're gonna have to average four and a half five yards on that 150 to 200. I, I already know. <laughs> hey, so my mindset into this offseason has been, you know what? I've been reflecting back on the last two or three years, and I'm just like, you know what? Like what I said earlier, you get out what you put in. You know, I, I've grinded the last couple of years, but. I haven't put the work in that I know I'm capable of putting in. So from that standpoint, I know that when this season come around, when I'm presented with the opportunity, it's going to be something totally different than what has been what I've shown the past couple of years. You mentioned you you haven't put the work over the last couple of off seasons that you know you can. Was it because of injuries, or were there other things going on that prevented you from doing that? Yeah, there was definitely other things going on um, that prevented me from doing that. You know, and I just had to sit back and reflect on those things and eliminate those things, those distractions, and, you know, coming to this offseason with a totally different mindset. There were some situations, if I'm not, and we don't have to relive. We know what transpired. You got suspended. You was on the commissioner's exempt list 2014. So that's 14, 15, 15 16 games you missed. You got an injury about week three, one year. So that's another 13 games. Do you believe? Had you been able to fulfill that those seasons, you would be a lot closer. You probably say maybe a thousand yards, five hundred yards behind where you need to be right now if you were able to play in those seasons. Without a doubt, I definitely, I definitely believe that. You know, that's something that I've thought about on several occasions. You know, it's like I really, I really missed. That's this. what keeps you up at night, isn't it? <laughs> Knowing that you missed, that you missed thirty, basically thirty games. And it basically in your prime, when you were like, you were all day and you were getting the lion's share, you were getting 250, you were getting 300 carries, and you were averaging four and a half yards a carry, and you were, you were 14, 15, 1600 yards, and you extrapolate that over two years, you're a lot closer now, you would have been a lot closer now than what you are currently. Without, without a doubt. And that's something that, I've, like you say, I've, I've laid in the bed some nights and been like, man, you know, just... <laughs> What if I would have been able to play those, you know, those 30 games? Yeah, I'd definitely be sitting in a different position right now. And really, you know, at 30, turning 36 here soon, approaching Emmitt Smith. I said something on air in 2018, and you took offense with it, and I want to get your thought process, and I'm, I'm going to give you why I said what I said. I said that AP can have a game. And as we start to get older, Ape, and I was one of those guys, I wasn't as great a player as you, but as I got older, I could have spot games. I could go get 100, a couple of touchdowns, maybe once once every month. But to be able to do that consistently, mm -hmm. is that that's where I felt. And I felt, I didn't, I, didn't, I, don't, I didn't believe that you were going to get the opportunities that you have been afforded in Minnesota, the lion's share of your career. AD, all the carries you want, as much as you can take, you take them. Knowing that you were going to New Orleans and you're going to have to split carries with Alvin Kamara, knowing that you were going to other places and now all of a sudden, I didn't feel that you were going to get the opportunities to showcase what you could really do. 
you felt that I was taking a dig at you, I think. Yeah. Why why did you think I was taking a dig? Okay, so I didn't I didn't see it from that perspective, you know. <laughs> okay. So I didn't so when it came across to me, it was more so like like everyone else. That's what it kind of fell into that category of, oh, he's too old. He's no. not gonna be able to be productive and, and to produce because we've we've seen, you know, other elite players of this caliber that once they got to that age, right. they weren't able to be successful and, and have success. But I was trying. I tried to explain it. I said, "Yeah, as we get older, he. he I don't believe. I, and I didn't. I didn't believe you could still be as dominant. But one of the reasons why you weren't going to get the opportunity to do that, you're going to be subtracting a hundred carries. Well, a hundred carries, even if you're only averaging four yards, that's four hundred yards. Well, four hundred yards. You extrapolate that over a couple, over three, four years. That's twelve, fourteen hundred yards, which is closer to your ultimate goal. Mm. No, so I, like. Hearing, hearing you saying it now, I, I don't know what clip I read. I see. <laughs> like, so I understand your perspective, you know, um, when you explain like that. But then I also took it personal too because, like, I've always been a fan of yours, you know. Right. Like, I looked up and I still so do. So you thought I was taking a shot at you? Yeah, I'm like, man, this is my favorite tight end of all time. Nah, he, you know, nah, nah. nah. <laughs> I understand that me being the person and me being the player that I am, that when I speak, it carries a little more weight than somebody that didn't play the game or didn't play the game at a high level. So I'm very cautious. I'm very mindful of what I say and how I say it because I understand I've been I've been on the other side. I've been sitting where Adrian Peterson is sitting. And yeah. so to hear former players say things, especially ones that's one, that's played at a very high level, they carry a little bit more weight. And so that's why I was trying to be mindful to try to explain. You have to understand, yeah, he's in year 12, but is he going to get the same opportunities? Now, Alvin Kamara's down there coming off an outstanding rookie season. Mm -hmm. He's going to have to share carries with Adrian Peterson. He goes, I mean, excuse me, with Alvin. He goes somewhere else. He's going to have to share carries. He's not the he's not the bell cow back anymore. And so I, I think when they brought it to you, they basically said, well, Shannon Sharp said, you washed up. See, that's <laughs> how they told you. <laughs> but they didn't explain the rest of the part of what I was saying. Exactly. And that's, that's how I normally go to. You, you explain it just like you explain it, but then the headline would be something totally different. You, know? <laughs> you grew up in a small town, Palestine, Texas. What was it like growing up in that small town? And did you always know you wanted to be an NFL player? I did, you know, um, very small town. Um, you know, I remember playing, I'll never forget the first time I started playing football, organized football. I was at my grandmother's house. It was like seven o'clock. My grandpa was up drinking coffee, reading the newspaper. My granny was outside watering her flowers, and my dad pulled up. And she came in. She was like, "Your dad, your dad said, put some clothes on, put some shoes on. He's gonna take you somewhere." So I put my shoes on, and we're driving, and it's like it looked like we we're exiting, we we're leaving Palestine, right? And we're going towards the complex. I, I remember it being out there, and then he makes that right turn. He was like, "Yeah, I'm taking you up here. I'm gonna sign you up for football." You know, so that's when I first started playing organized football. And from that point, at, well, I can't say from that point because before then it was street ball. It was just right. you know, being out with the friends and stuff like that. I always know I had some talent, but once I got into the organized football, that's when I was really able to open my eyes and realize that, hey, you know, I can really do something if I continue to work and continue to grind, um, you know, with, with the sport. But Palestine, it was... um it was it was a small town. Everyone knows everyone there. Right. You know, I have on my dad's side, I have four uncles and uh four aunts. 
And then on my mom's side is five five uncles and and four aunts as well. So you can just imagine all my, my family members. You right. Know? So just growing up in that type of environment, you know, always having, you know, someone around you, someone disciplining you, putting, you know, leading you in the right direction, right. giving advice and stuff like that. I think that is what helped shape me and mold me into, you know, the man that I, that I am today. Um, so, yeah. But then when they come back to the football aspect of it, you know, at a, at a young age playing little league football, that's when I realized and understood that, hey, I look past college and everything else. I was like, I'm going to play in the NFL. <laughs> you come from good pedigree. Your mom was a three-time state track champion, track champ. She got a scholarship at the University of Houston. Your dad was a shooting guard at Idaho State who had his career cut short by being accidentally shot in the leg by his brother. So your mom ran track. Your dad played basketball. You love football. What was the of the sports that you played growing up, probably basketball, track and field, football, which was your favorite growing up? F football and track was, was right there neck to neck. Right. You know, basketball, I'm, I'm not going to lie. Like, I was, I was a defense player, you know? Like, <laughs> I was, so you have, you you coming in and getting the five fouls and get up out of there, huh? Hey, I'm, I'm going to give you some good defense, a couple blocks, <laughs> you know? I'm going to give you, I'm going to get you 10 points just off a of hustle. Okay. You know, some rebounds, put back up or whatnot. Right. Um, but yeah, my basketball game was terrible. If I got a steal, I'm, I'm dribbling straight right hand. <laughs> <You know? laughs> there was my love. There was also some tragedy that happened in your life early on. Your older brother um, got hit by a drunk driver when you were seven, and night before the combine, your half brother was shot and killed. Talk to me about the impact that those events, tragic events, had on your life. You know, we'll start with my, my, my older brother who uh, passed when I was seven. You know, that situation was really, really tough, you know, and um, it, it's not something that I've never sat down and talked. Like, you know, my wife's telling me all the time, I think you need to talk, you know, to a counselor or something just to kind of let that, let it go, let it out. Right. Um, but I feel like it helped. It, it, it matured me at an early age mm -hmm. because at that time it was just me and my mom and my brother and we were living in Dallas. And um, when it happened, we ended up moving back to Palestine. Okay. And um, I didn't, you know, I, I missed a lot of school during that time because I was there, you know, it, it was really tough for us, you know, right. I we were living in my grandmother's house and my mom, no lie, she cried for a year. Well, it seemed like for a year straight, every night I would be in the other room and hear her cry. And, you know, I would go in there and just, hey, mom, it's going to be okay, you know. So I feel like it made me it, it made me become mature at a younger age. It forced you to become an adult probably before you should have. Before I should have, you know. So I'm, I'm finding myself take care, taking care of my mom and being strong for her. And I never forget, I remember telling myself, because my brother, he was way more talented than, than I was, you know. Mm -hmm. And I remember telling myself at that age that, you know what, I'm going to use this as motivation, something to continue to drive me because I know my brother, you know, I know this is what he would have wanted for me. And I know he, you know, we used to talk about, you know, he was like extremely fast. I was 10, three, you know, I was 20.8. Yeah. I couldn't touch him. So, 
you know, I remember the things we used to talk talk about at a young age and used to race and stuff like that. So the things that I'm going to do, I'm going to do it for him. Right. You know? um, so fast forward to the combine. It was, um, I'll never forget, man. It's, it was crazy. I, I woke up. It was like two o'clock in the morning. And I just woke up and I was sweating. And it was just like one of those, that feeling like something, something ain't right, you know? So I look at my phone and I see a couple um, area codes from Palestine that had called. No message. Yeah, missed calls, no messages. And I didn't really think too much about it. I put the phone down. I had a big day the next day and closed my eyes and go to sleep. I wake up. Now I see the text, mess the text messages and, and the calls and that's when I found out my brother was shot in third ward, shot in the back, got robbed. And it was just, you know, my heart just sunk. You know, it was a, a tough situation for me because I had to go out and compete that day. But I had remember talking to him a couple of days prior and he was just so wired. He was like my number one fan. He was so wired up about me being down to come by and Oh, I know you're going to do this, brother. I know you're going to do that. Show them, you know, who the best running back in the draft is, this, that, and another. So it, um, I had to just kind of suck it up, you know, you know, and try to focus on what I was trying to accomplish that day. And, and you know, I think I came out and, and, and did a decent job with that, but that was probably one of the toughest situations I had to deal with. Because you're the combine is a job interview. This is the big, if you play, if you play football, this is the biggest job interview you're ever going to have. Yeah. Because you got hundreds of eyes, not just physical eyes, but electronic eyes, yeah. monitoring your every move. And you're dealing with this. And I'm not so sure that any of did anybody know that this had transpired, that this was going on in your mind. Because no. I don't you I don't you probably didn't tell anybody. No, I didn't say anything to anyone, you know. I just kind of just you break. didn't want that you did because you felt if you had told them they might if you don't run a good time, you they're gonna use that against you. Say he used that as an excuse. Exactly. I don't need none of that, you know. He was happy that I, that I was here. I know that he would want me to go out and continue to, you know, chase my dream. So I woke up that morning after finding out, and I was like, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to lock in, and, uh, you know, I'll be able to deal with this a little later once I'm done. How how do you get the nickname all day? <laughs> you got a little taste of it earlier when my, when my little man came in here. I told him like three times, do not come in here. It's <laughs> full of energy, you know. I was just electric as a youngster, you know. Um, they would give me melatonin and all that, and I, I'd bite through all that, scratch through all that. <laughs> you know? And I'm experiencing it now with my with my little man, but that's how I got it. They got the name. I was just just full of energy, always going, like the energizer bunny, always going. Boy, get outside and play. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you would think that would work, but it, like I'll be saying it to him. They go outside, they'll play. My my oldest, this in the house, he's uh, he's nine, and they'll get out here and they'll run for hours. Axel, the youngest one, he'll come in here, take a shower, and he'll it'll be ten o'clock, eleven o'clock. Bedtime is eight. You hear him coming down the stairs. Like, what are you doing, man? What are you doing? <laughs> Two melatonin down. He's he just just fighting through it. <laughs> <clears throat> AT&T connects an O to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. 
Connect the snooze. 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. I'm looking at you, what you were able to accomplish. You only played two years. If I'm not mistaken, you only played two years of high school football, right? Your junior and senior year. Mm-hmm. Was it because you weren't good enough to make the team or what transpired that you only got to play two years? Because I'm looking at your numbers. Your junior year, 2,051 yards, 22 touchdowns. Your senior year, a little less than 3,000, over 11 yards of carry, 32 touchdowns. The final game, 350, six touchdowns, and you're signing autograph for the opposing players. Yeah. You know, my, my dad got incarcerated going into my seventh grade year. Uh-huh. And this was, I don't know how we had two, I don't know why we have two schools in Palestine, but I, I was going to Palestine High School and the Crosstown School was Westwood High School. That's actually the school my mom went to. Right. So I transferred um, after my seventh grade year and went to Westwood. Right. So my freshman year, I, I actually was on varsity there. It was a 3A school, a smaller school. And I tore my LCL. Okay. The first game. So I was out that 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 year and came back, ran track, made the state, and then I ended up going back to Palestine. Uh, like the football season had already started my sophomore year, right? And, um, so I, I played a little bit, played a little bit uh, a, a JV. Um, the coach there, he was from West Orange Stark. I never forget, and it was clear that I was the most talented player. You know, even like we would go up against the the seniors. I mean, the varsity defense, right? And we would run through those guys. But he never he he didn't he didn't he didn't move me up. So my junior year, his defensive coordinator, um, which his name was Jeff Hurl, he ended up um, becoming a head coach. And I had kind of told myself that you know what, I'm just gonna focus on track. I'm not gonna really you know, I'm not gonna really get into football. So I didn't even start training camp my junior year until my dad called me. I never forget my stepdad woke me up. It was like eight o'clock. He was like, "Hey, your dad is on the phone." And I'm like, "What's up, dad? What's going on?" He's like, "Boy, what are you doing?" <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm at the house relaxing. He was like, "I was sleeping." And he was like, "Should you be in two days?" I'm like, "Dad, I don't, I don't think I'm trying to play this year. I think I'm gonna focus on track." And, you know, I think I want to go in that direction. He was like, boy, <laughs> I'm going to call those coaches tomorrow. And if they tell me you need to come up there today, when you come see me, we're going we're gonna to have an issue. We're going we're gonna to really, <laughs> really have a problem. I was like, all right, man. So I ended up getting up and going, you know, going up there. And they told me, hey, you can come back tomorrow. And then from that part, from that moment, things just kind of, kind of, kind of took out for me. Ironically, the first game of that junior year, we played Huntsville, and the same coach, I think his name was Sum Tummins, that came from that left Palestine that came from West Orange Start. He was the head coach at Huntsville. Uh oh. We went down there. I had 305 yards, like five touchdowns, and just <laughs> killed their defense. You know what I'm saying? So, like, it was a little, you know, a little revenge on my part right. as well, but that's kind of like what put me on the map. And, 
it just kind of took off from that moment. So I'm looking at your, your high school time. You say you ran 10-3 in the 100 meters. You ran 20.8 in the 200 meters. You were 47-6, 400 meters. So of those, what do you think your best event is, was? And mm -hmm. do you believe at your apex you could outrun Tyreek? <laughs> Tyreek? Yeah. <laughs> I'll give him run for his money now. Get, like, <laughs> if I really would have, you know, focused on track like I wanted to, because I wanted to run in Oklahoma too, um, but – I feel like I definitely could have, could have. You, you know. got too big. You weigh too much. <laughs> you, you. I, I was like, I was like two hundred and five in high school though. R running that kind of time. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. Yeah, and my my favorite run was the uh, the two hundred, and I never really wanted to run the four hundred. But like right. now that I'm older, and when I, once I got older, I'm like the four hundred would have been my race because right. of just my mindset and. You know, just have that's my favorite feet. race. Yeah. From all the races, I like the 400 meters and the four by four. That's my race. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. At 400. Every, there are a lot of people that believe of all the guys that played in the NFL before you and after you, they believe there were two people that could have come straight from high school and gone to the NFL, yourself and Randy Moss. Do you believe that you could have played in the NFL after your senior year in high school? I do. I do. I do. I never, I never forget going to um, a Cowboys game, excuse me, my senior year. Once photographers invited me down and ended up going to the Cowboys game and going to the locker room and all that after the game. And I'm just, I'm looking at those guys, the running back. I'm just like, he's not really, you know, I'm, I'm, I look a little yeah. bigger than him. You know? Like, I know I'm faster than him because you know, I just got the red of a 10 2 6 at state. Right. I'm just like, okay. And then, you know, once I got to college, that was kind of like confirmation for me after that freshman year. Right. You know, what I was able to accomplish. And you see a guy like Cedric Benson who ended up going like top five yeah. that year. That could have been me, you right. know, one year out of one year out of uh out of high school. But I definitely feel like I could have came straight out of high school and played. You had offers all over the country, USC, Texas, Texas AM, UCLA, Arkansas, Miami, Florida. What made you choose to leave your home state and go to Oklahoma? And how many people were upset that you chose to go to the across the river as opposed to stay in state? Yeah, it was a lot of people that was hot. <laughs> I'm my articles in the newspaper. I was like, God, can they can they print this? <laughs> they can't print this, can they? Talking about a high school student, but. The work ethic that I seen when I went on my visit to Oklahoma, um, that was something that pushed me to, to go there because I really had appreciation for how they developed their players. Right. And like for me, I grew up a Longhorn. I, I remember being in eighth grade because my uncle played, his name was Chris Smith. He played tight end for Texas and Ricky Williams was there, Chris right. Holmes, Applewhite. I remember being there after a spring game looking at the stadium where I was empty, like, I'll be back. I'll be back here one day. Right. But experiencing that Red River shootout, I see a lot of guys that are from Texas that end up going to the University of Oklahoma. And I'm just like, okay, like what's what what's the difference? Like what separates the two? The work ethic. I feel like the University of Texas had more talent, but I didn't feel like that they developed their players. And that's why Oklahoma was tapping that butt every every year. You know, so that was really the main reason. And then also 
I went down and when I was talking to Matt Brown, I, I, I came to him and this is the approach I have every coach that I sit down with. I was like, hey, the only thing I ask is will you guys present me with an opportunity to compete, compete for the starting job? You know, I got Pete Curl, I got, you know, Nick Saban, I got, you know, Bob Stoops telling me, yeah, if you, you come in, you earn a position, it's yours. We don't care if you're a rookie or not. Texas, they were like, well, Cedric Benson decided to come back for his senior year, you know, so we're going to show we're going to show some loyalty to him because he was projected to be a top five pick and we're going to let him finish it off. And, you know, after that, of course, we'll let you compete for it. So in other words, they said, no, we're not going to let you compete for the starting job. You wait your turn and you said, okay, deuces, I'm going yeah. to OU. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't tell him that either. I was just like, but in my mind, I had already, I had already. That was it. Yeah. So from that point, it came down to Oklahoma and USC. Like it was really a, really a tough decision for me um, because I went out to visit Eric B. Enemy. He left Colorado because he would recruit me at Colorado. Then right. he went to UCLA. So I right. was in Holly EB, man. So once I got up there, I was like, man, LA, nice. But if I come here, I need to go to the best school, you know? Right. So that's how USC came in the picture. And uh, even with Reggie Bush, Linda White, Herschel Dennis, the guys they had there, Pete was like, Pete was down in my basketball gym in Palestine shooting like, yeah, you come down, you can compete, you're on a spot, we're we going to play you, you know? So it came down to um, just being close to the family. Oklahoma um, was like a four-hour job from my hometown. Right. And the development of the players and stuff too played a big role. Why do you believe you were able to have such an immediate impact? You set an NCAA uh, freshman record. You ran for over 1,900 yards. In 2004, you set 1,100-yard uh, games by a freshman, and you were a unanimous All-American. Do you believe – two-part question. Do you believe that you should have won the Heisman that year? And looking back at it, do you – you sought out some games that you said, you know what, I should have got that two grand. I should have got two bands. Because that's going to be something that 2,000 yards as a freshman – Somebody might come get 2000 after that, but I would have been the first to do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I definitely, that crossed my mind before. I'm like, man, I was so close. I could have easily got, you know, 2000 things, but it's played out a little different uh, for me. But I was so young then, you know, I was just having fun and trying to win championships, you know? So that was right. like the most important thing for me. But for the high, when it, when it comes to the Heisman Trophy, I definitely feel like I should have been the first freshman to ever win. You know, I feel like they robbed me. Um, you know, I, I had the most votes by a freshman um, at that point ever, uh, finished in second place. And um, it was just, for me, it, it, it kind of helped me out. That situation helped me out a lot too when it came to, you know, how people perceive you or how people view you and your talent because it told me a lot. It was like, okay, I'm up for the Heisman Trophy, me, Jason White, Lindell, I mean, uh, Reggie Bush, and um, Matt Liner. Matt Liner and Alice Smith. So I'm like, I'm up, I finished second, and then I don't win the Dope Walker Award. So I'm just scratching my head. I'm like, how do Cedric Benson win it? You know? So yeah. like, I feel like I got robbed for the Heisman. And then not only got that, robbed a dope walker. I robbed a dope walker too. I was like, man, I, 
I don't care about these awards, man. You know what? I'm just going to focus on getting to the NFL and then I'll, you know, I'll, I'll go from there, but definitely got robbed. You play that team in the uh, national championship game mm-hmm. and people were expecting the game to be close and it was really never close. No. What transpired? Why, why were you, why were you guys so outplayed so thoroughly defeated in that game? Um, I think USC came in with a different mindset than us, you know, um, me being there and present during the week, it was a lot of guys that they, they weren't locked in. You know, we were down in Miami. Guys were, you know, breaking curfew. Not a lot of guys, but, you know, just things like that that you, you shouldn't have right. you in that type of environment. Mm-hmm. And for a national championship, you know, so guys were breaking curfew. You know, I've seen guys meet with agents and things like that. And, um, you know, we started off good. We scored, we scored first. And uh, end up getting the ball back and stopping them. And it was, I think it was a punt. That's what it was. They punted the balls to us. And our punter dropped the ball. Well, it bounced. And it bounced, like, towards the 10, 15-yard line. And he tried to pick it up. And they hit him and, and got the ball and ended up scoring maybe, like, a play later. And then we came back the next drive. And I don't know what Jason White was thinking. He just threw the ball up in the air. And <laughs> I don't know what he was thinking. And they ended up picking it, and it was just like the momentum just changed. Right. And it just went downhill. That was the first time I had ever been a part of feeling like guys gave up. Like, I actually felt like guys gave up during that game. Your final game, a lot of people remember the Fiesta Bowl, the Statue of Liberty with Boise State. Mm-hmm. Did you know going into that game, when did you know that I'm out of here. I'm declaring for the draft. Did you know going into the game or it was after the game, after you lost, that you said, okay, I'm out? I knew before the game. I, I knew before the game because I heard, had hurt, broke my collarbone earlier that year. Right. And uh, I had missed her the rest of the season. And I came back and played in that game. That was my first game back in, like, weeks. And um, so during that time, I had a lot of time to just reflect on the past couple of years and how things have, have went. And I was just like, you know, that collarbone could have easily been an ACL, could have easily right. been something else that, you know, now they're like, okay, he for sure has to come back and has to prove himself. So he could have went a, t- a lot of different ways. Right. And then I remember talking to my running back coach, Kel Gundy, and uh, I was like, coach, you know, what, what's your thought? What do you think? You think I should? You think I should come back for my senior year or go ahead and go? He was like, <laughs> you got to go. You know, he said, as much as I would love for you to come back and play, you know, I wouldn't be, you know, being 100 with you and being real with you if I told you to come back for your senior year, you know. So I was like, okay, you know. So that was something that kind of helped me make that decision as well and and uh, go ahead and, and enter to enter into the NFL. So here, here's a funny story a lot of people don't know about. Okay. So I came back for, that fie- for the Fiesta Bowl. Right. The second series, I remember getting, I remember taking a hit. And I'm just like, ah, you know, it was my first time playing since the collarbone, right? right. I didn't really, I didn't really think too much of it. Played the rest of the game. Later on at night, my neck like literally swollen up. Like all oh, this was swollen, right? Wow. And it ended up, you know, subsiding and it went down by the next day. So I didn't I didn't think much about it at all. It wasn't paying for anything. So I get down to Arizona, the API was training there. So I'm probably like a month and a half into training. 
doing bench press and all that. And one day I was just like, this, I'm just, this collarbone just feels weird. You know, just right. not getting my full range of motion. So I just went to see a doctor to just get it checked out. I had rebroke it. Wow. Yes, I had rebroke my collarbone. So um, when I was at, at the combine and all that, my collarbone was still broke. It was still healing, going through that process. And that was like one of the red flags that I had because they knew that it was still cracked. Wow. At that time. Yeah. I'm looking back at your draft and the draft is known for who went number one because he didn't pan out, Jamarcus Russell. But if you look at who went number two, Calvin Johnson is going to the Hall of Fame. Joe Thomas is going to go to the Hall of Fame. You were the seventh pick in the draft. You're going to the Hall of Fame. Darrell Rivas is going to go to the Hall of Fame. You got Marshawn Lynch was in that draft. Patrick Willis was in that draft. You guys had some players in that draft. Yeah, we were deep. <laughs> we were deep. <laughs> I mean, people look at, you know, Jamarcus didn't pan, pan out. Gaines Adams didn't pan out. Levi Brown was okay. LaRon Landry, nah, he didn't, he didn't do too much. Greg Olson had a great career. But you guys, you guys are going to have four or five Hall of Famers in that draft class. Yeah, yeah, that's something I think about sometimes. Like, man, you know what? We can compete with a lot of different draft classes. As, yeah. As we had some guys that put in some work and were really like, you know, Calvin Johnson, I, I can't say he's the best of all time, you know, because you got Miles. He up there. He up there, though, you know. So we had guys like that. Even Patrick Willis. Patrick yeah. Willis, when we retire early, we up here talking, we up here comparing him to Ray Lewis. Joe yeah. Thomas went to a bunch of Pro Bowls, all pro a bunch of times. Yep. Let's talk about your rookie season. Your rookie year, you set an NFL record with the most yards in a single game, 296. Um, also, you had two 200-yard uh, rushing game that season. Talk to us about your rookie year. What, what was your expectations going into it? And in that game, did you know that game was going to be special? Because sometimes you get a feeling like, Man, you get a get a big run, you get a nice carry. You're like, this might be a good, this might be a good, this might be the day here. So, yeah. did you know that game was gonna be the game? I didn't. I I can't say I did. I didn't. But I went into that season. And I was just like, you know what? I had so much confidence in myself because of the work that I had put in. I was just right. hungry, just to. I'm I'm here now, finally, right? Um. So I, I had the confidence, but that game in particular, I didn't. It felt different, especially that first half, because the offensive line, they were doing a great job. I found myself being um, too fast in some situations, which end up, you know, hurting the play. Right. And I remember talking to the offensive line and telling those guys, like, Hutch, man, listen, you guys just keep doing what you're doing. Like, it's going to hit, you know. Like, I should have been more patient to let this play. It was an outside zone play. Mm -hmm. Could have taken 50. Let, let it play. develop. Yeah, let it develop. I said, but you guys keep doing what you're doing. We're going to get on track. And went into halftime, I think we had like 40-some yards rushing as an offense. And then came out the second half, and it was just like, I don't know, it felt like an out-of-body experience, you know? It was like we were just so – I was so locked in, and everything was just working out. It seemed like everything just kind of fell in line, and the big runs just started ripping, ripping. And before I, before I knew it, here we, here we are in the fourth quarter. I got 296 yards, <laughs> you know. Do you wish you had went back in and got one more carry and got three bills? Not a doubt. 
Because mm-hmm. that's what I tell people. I say, you don't understand. I mean, at the time, you're like, nah. But then you look back at it, and then somebody like, somebody gets 297 or somebody gets 298, 300. That's the benchmark. Because, you know, somebody's going to get, maybe somebody's going to get it. But to say, who's the first guy to ever rush for 300 yards in the NFL game? Yeah. Ding, ding, ding. ding. <laughs> So yeah. why, why do you think you were able to have so much success your rookie season? Um, I think just the guys that, that were surrounding me. And uh, I feel like the coaches really put me in a, a great position. And then um, just, just me and my mindset, you know, I wanted to go out there and improve to the organization and my teammates that, you know, I'm, I'm putting my best, forward, my best foot forward to help us win a championship, chase a championship. 2009 was as close as you came. To winning to getting to the Super Bowl and possibly competing for that mm-hmm. you guys signed Brett Favre what was it like playing with Favre and did you think that was going to be the season that was going to get Adrian Peterson to a Super Bowl and, and possibly win the championship yeah I thought that was going to be the season um, especially once he stepped into that building and we got out there for that first practice and um, seeing how he was able to operate our offense it was like, okay that's pretty much what we were missing because our defense was stellar you know, big Pat Williams, you had, um, you know, the Henderson, Chad Greenway, the yeah. linebacker position, uh, Antoine Whitfield, senior. Like, we, we, we were stacked. Sh- uh, um, safety, um, sharper. You yeah. know, like, we, we were good on defense. Offensively, we had a lot of pieces, too. Um, and we we just needed a quarterback. Right. So, Barr came in there, and he just, like, being that leader, and being, um, you know, the veteran that he was, he was able just to transform our, our offense into a machine where we were working and everything was clicking on all cylinders. And we was just able to do some incredible things offensively. And with that type of defense, it was like, okay, there's no reason we shouldn't, you know, make it to the NFC Championship game and, and, and win a Super Bowl, you know, so... But just having an opportunity to play with Brett, man, it really taught me a lot. You know, his locker was right next to mine. So I was able just to see how he carried himself, you know, um, how he was. He was just he was just like one of the other guys. You know, he was cool, cracked jokes, you know, messed with guys and, you know, just had a great personality. And that's kind of what I assumed from watching the interviews and just watching them interact and stuff. And um, it was just a blessing to be able to play with him those two years and just have that, have that experience with them. You played the NFC championship game in new, in new Orleans, and it would later become known as the bounty gate. Did you think they were playing dirty? Did you suspect anything was going on or you thought it was just hard nosed, clean football? They just, they were just, Hey, everybody wants to get, get to the ultimate goal, reach the Super Bowl, And this is what it's going to take. They're in our way. Let's try to just play hard tough football, snap the whistle, and leave it at that? Or did you, like, hold on, man, these, these hits coming a little late. They coming a little low. Yeah. I thought um, I thought it was these guys out there playing ball. Right. I, I felt like there was, like, one or two dirty hits on, on Brett that was questionable, you know, as far as it was late. But outside of that, shoot, we were laying that wood. They were laying the wood as well. Right. And it felt like it was a tough, hard-fought game. 2011, day before Christmas, playing Washington, carrying just like you carried the ball a thousand times in the NFL before. They hand the ball off to you. Did you know when you got hit that something was wrong? When, or when did you realize something was wrong? 
immediately. Immediately, as soon as I got hit, I knew, I didn't know exactly what it was, but I knew that I was done. <laughs> I was done. <laughs> For sure. Cause you had never had, had you ever had knee issues before? No, not like that. I had the LCL in high school. Okay. Before that. Mm -hmm. Right. So, so you tore your ACL and your MCL, um, which is the day before Christmas. The season's going to start back up. You got OTAs going to probably start up in, in April. You got mini camps that's going to start in May, June, and you got training camps that's going to start late July. Why were you so determined? I'll be back in eight months. Why were you so determined? Because that's normally guys come back, but they're not the same. You came back better. And now the gold standard of anybody coming back from ACL is Adrian Peterson. Um, I think the one thing that really pushed me the most is just like all the negative talk. Right. <laughs> that, that, that really motivated me a lot too because a lot of people were saying, you know, he's not going to ever be the same, you know, should he go ahead and retire, this, that, another. Right. Like, you know, this is nothing but a, a obstacle that I that's in my way that I have to overcome. You know, I have to get through, I have to grind through it. You know, so that was my, that was my whole approach. And it started that day. Like when I got to that locker room, my dad was at that game. And I remember him coming to the locker, coming down there, and I was talking to him. And I was like, you know what? You know, it, it is what it is. You know, now it's the moment that I have to accept it for what it is. And what are you going to do about it? You so know? did they tell you on the field, or did they get you to the sideline before they broke the news and say, AP, you, you, AD, you tore your ACL? Yeah, they, they took me to the sideline. You know, when they when they did the test. On the uh, on the field, I knew I knew then I was like okay, because it was it was it was too it was moving too way too much, <laughs> <laughs> you know. And I could see the look on their face too. So they got me to the sideline and just confirmed. It was like yeah, ACL, MCL. And I remember telling my dad, I said, you know what, I said, I'm gonna come back and I'm gonna be better than I was before that, that same day. But I mean to say that, and everybody say, oh, I'm gonna be oh, I'm gonna be this, I'm gonna be that. But hey, I don't know if you realize what you did. You come back in eight months. You go 348 carries, 2,097 yards, which is the second most in a season. You win Offensive Player of the Year MVP. You needed 209. You needed 208, the final game, to get the record. You get what? You nine yards short. I know you play that scenario in your head. That probably keeps you up at night as much as anything because not only do I have the most rushing yards in the season, I'm the all-time. So which keeps you up more, not getting that record or possibly not getting Emmett's record? Because uh. <laughs> <laughs> I know both are way on your mind. Yeah, they, they do. I do. They do. The one that weighs on my mind the most is, is not getting Eric Dickerson's. Yeah, I thought so. So because everything that I – I had to go through to get to that moment. Right. To be just eight yards away from it, you know, a record that stood for so long. Yeah. Right. I was right there after our ACL and wasn't able, able to get it. And know? the thing is, two Texas boys, ED's from uh, Sealy, Texas, mm -hmm. you're from pa Palestine, and here it is. Yep. Did, did you think you had an outside chance? Because 208 yards in the final game, knowing that you need to win that game. Mm -hmm. So in Green Bay, like, nah, we're not going to let them win this game. 
because if you don't win, you don't make the playoffs. So you had to win that game. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember coming into that game and I was thinking, you know what? Let me not worry about the record. Let me take this approach. If it happens, it's meant, it's meant to happen. If it doesn't, then it, it's not. Because I had a couple of weeks prior, we played the Texans, you know, came here and played. And I, you know, I was focusing. I was like, you know what? I need to get by 175, by 200 against yeah. these guys to get myself closer. Right. And I didn't think, and I was pressing. I ended up like 40 some yards, if that. And after that game, I told myself, you know what? I'm going to go out there and continue to do what I've been doing. I'm just going to play and let the chips fall where they may. So I actually went into that last game with that mindset, you know, we need to win this game to make the playoffs. And if the record is meant to be broke, then then I'll break it. That's why I was so surprised when I did the interview. She was like, so how do you feel about being eight yards short? I was like, eight yards short? What? And she said- You're like, I was that close? I was like, oh. So, so, so did you, so did, you didn't know you were that close. So they didn't keep, cause normally in a situation like that, uh, uh, AD, they keep you abreast. Like, man, you need 50, man, you need 75. Normally that's how they, so no one was telling you how close you were actually to the, because it's hard for me to see that they would have threw any passes. They're just going to keep feeding you the ball. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No one, no one said anything to me. And, but I, I that's, that's the kind of approach I have. It's like, I don't want nobody said nothing. I'm just going to go out there and play. You know, but had I known, <laughs> if you if you had known, would you have been, been willing to sneak back in the game and try to get those eight? Oh yeah, definitely. I was like, <laughs> call that timeout. Call that timeout for me, man. Let me get another run in there. <laughs> Looking at your career, fourteen thousand eight hundred twenty yards. Uh, that's fifth most. One hundred and eighteen rushing touchdowns. That's fourth. You had an eight-game span in that, in, that, in that season, in 2012, 1,322 yards, which is the most over eight games. You have the most 60-yard TD runs, 13. Tied for the most 50-yard runs in a single season, seven. Tied with the most 200 games over career with OJ, uh, yourself and OJ. Derrick Henry coming for that one, I think. Uh, and the three-tied rushing champ. Of all the things that you've accomplished thus far, what record are you most proud of? Hmm, man, that's a good one. I would say um, this climbing that all-time leading rusher list, you know, because uh, there's a lot of guys on that list that I've passed that inspired me to, you know, to continue to play the game at a, at a high level, you know. So to be in a position to pass guys like, you know, Terrell Davis, you know, LT, you know, OJ, Jim Brown. Jim Brown, you know, it's just like Jerome Bettis. It's just like, yeah, you know? So that right there means the most to me for, for that reason. And you might be – I don't know if there's going to be very many guys that's going to ever win a running back to ever win that award again, the MVP. It's yeah. a quarterback award now, AP. It is. Yeah, I mean, the, the guys throwing for 40 and 50 touchdowns, they're getting 3,550 and 5,000 yards. Unless somebody goes in today's game, I mean, can a running back with the way teams throw the football, can someone actually go get 2,000? Maybe Derrick Henry? Yeah. Maybe but Derek. that's what – Yeah. Yeah. So, I like to do this a lot. Give me your Mount Rushmore running back. You only get to put four on Mount Rushmore. Of all the great running backs, I need to know who's on AP Mount Rushmore. Whew. Okay. <laughs> gotta, go with, gotta go with Jim Brown. Okay. 
Gotta go with Jim Brown. Uh, sweetness. Walter Payton. Barry Sanders. Three. Ooh. That three. That one is tough, though. <sighs> Somebody go get left out. I don't know, Emmett. I don't know if you're going to make it. ED, I don't know if you're going to make it. LT, I don't know. Oh, man, there's a lot of Texas boys on this thing. Ooh, oh. LT from Texas. Earl from Texas. ED from Texas. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. I want to put Emmett Smith up there. I got. I have to. I, I have to give him the respect where he, he was number one, you know, no matter how it was done. Like, he's <laughs> number one. <laughs> what you mean I would do? Oh, you talking about an offensive line that he had? <laughs> They were good. They were really, really good. Oh, yeah. Just imagine Barry Sanders had an office line like that. No. I don't know. You know what? Sometimes I think, I think, I don't know if we'd have been able to see the Barry that we saw. Because mm -hmm. the Barry that we saw had to have a terrible offensive line because he needed to make 17 people miss in order mm -hmm. for you to see all that. So just imagine Barry just running straight ahead. He's not Barry. No, this is like that. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I can see that perspective. Who you... Give me your top running backs today. Who who does Adrian Peterson if they're if he's at home, he's watching Monday night, he's watching Thursday night, or he's playing that playing them in a game, he's standing up watching, or he's looking at the jumbotron. Um Derek Henry is one of the guys. I just mm -hmm. love how physical he, he plays the game. Um Saquon Barkley. Okay. He's a guy that I like. Feel like he has some great potential. Mm -hmm. um, Dalvin Cook uh, is a guy that I, I like as well for his size. He's physical, great speed, great vision. Um, yeah, I think that's probably it. That I'll just you know be sitting there. I'll stand up and be like, okay, let me see, let me see what he what he what he got. Right. Mm -hmm. Who who has the the best stiff arm, Derrick Henry or Adrian Peterson? <laughs> I got to give it to him right now. <laughs> I feel like I got a good stiff arm, but some of his stiff arms I've seen, it's like, who? <laughs> did our, our cornerback so 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 bad in our game, and Josh Norman had him lean sideways. <laughs> I think he got me right now. So if, if I can say, okay, I want you to build the perfect running back, and I'm going to say, I'm gonna, here's some of the, the traits that I want, and I'm going to say, the first guy that comes to your mind, instincts. Mm. I gotta say, I, I gotta, I'll say myself. Burst. Davin Cook. Elusiveness. Mm. Who's elusive? Do we, we don't... Man, you better, man, but one guy gonna get that one. Barry. Okay, well, I'm thinking you're talking about like current, like right now. No, no, no. I want I want you to build. I'm build. I want you to build a perfect running back. And so okay. we're gonna take. Okay, 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 okay. Okay, what about okay vision? Uh, vision. I'll say uh, sweetness. Size. Uh. Hmm. Size. They put all. They put all this in a body that like Jerome Bettis. <laughs> Okay, what about power? Power, Eric Campbell. Speed. Chris Johnson. 
durability. Oh man, uh, Emmitt Smith. <laughs> that joke played 14, 15 <laughs> years. Ain't never take no big hit. Ain't nobody get no shot on him. Can't nobody say I blew him it up. No. <laughs> <laughs> you said you said uh, in the past that you're the you're the LeBron and Jordan of the NFL. What what do you mean by that? Your dominance, I mean, your size, I mean, because we never, I mean, like you said, you believe that you could have gone straight from high school. That's saying something. Because the NFL, you know, this is a grown man's game. Yeah. I mean, yeah, this is them grown men. This ain't you ain't playing for no books. You ain't playing for no training table. Men got wives, they got kids to feed, they got college tuition to pay down the road, mortgages. So yeah. they're not they let see if you lose your spot in college, you just go to the bench, you're still on the team. You lose your spot in the NFL, you're probably gone. Yeah. Somebody taking your job, they're taking food off your table. Yeah. So when, when I make that, when I made that statement, it comes from a standpoint of like talent. Right. You know, the guy given ability. Do you so, believe you're the most talented running back ever? The most talented running back yeah. ever? When you combine everything, size, speed, durability, athleticism. I think I, I think I think I'm right there with 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 Walter Payton. Yeah, you believe he's, you believe he's one of the most talented, yeah. the most talented. Yeah, well, you can say his size. He didn't have the perfect. I mean, he wasn't a big. I mean, what was Sweetness? What five ten? Maybe two two oh five? Yeah, 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 yeah. I would say like okay, well, Bo Jackson is definitely you know <laughs> he was he was on a different level. Yeah, Bo. <laughs> When you look back at it, do you wish you had do you wish you had handled things differently in Minnesota? Do you you cause I mean now that you look back at it, you probably should have stayed, maybe not asked for a trade. Do you think back like, man, you know what? I should have stayed my buddy in Minnesota. Um, I think about that sometimes. And the the thing is, I, I never like demanded a trade or asked, asked for a trade. You know, I, I remember when that season ended. When I had my exit meeting, my exit meeting with those guys, and it was like, you know, so after the towards the end of the conversation, they were like, "So, are you willing? Like, is it something that you want to come back?" And I was like, "Yeah, I wouldn't mind finishing my career here, you know." And that's kind of that's kind of how I left it. And right, you know, next time I heard from them, I was in San Antonio on vacation, and you know, they had signed uh, the the Murray kid. Right, that's when I knew it was okay, you know. But I was okay with that, you know, at that point. Um, you know, there's a couple of things that had transpired and that we're over we're over that now, you know, but it was some things that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. And so I was at the point where I'm just like, you know what, if this is the end of the road, then, you know, I'm, I'm fine with that. When it's all said and done, would you like to sign a contract and retire Viking? Oh, yeah. Yeah, without a doubt. Without a doubt. So looking back at your career, is there anything you would do differently? Or what were some if there if they are some of the things you would like to do differently? What would they be? As far as football aspect, yes, you see a football. Uh, you know, I, I can look back on a couple off seasons where, you know, I didn't really put in the work like I should have, and and I was able to see, um, like a lot of people probably don't realize, but I was able to see how it, it affected me during the season. You know, um, so I would definitely change that, taking advantage of that. You know, being 14 years, 14 years in now, I mean, look back because I'm getting towards the end of that road. And it's like, right. 
Wish I could have did some things different. Um, uh, outside of that, you know, I, I've always tried to take care of my body and put the right things in my body. Um, you know, um, I, I feel like at a at a younger, once I, my first four or five years in the NFL, um, I think I took a lot of things for granted. Um, as far as like really getting into that playbook and, you know, executing, you know, because I think that would have presented um, different opportunities for me within within the offense. Um, so, so you believe you were too good for y'all, you were, you were too good for your own good because things came so easy mm -hmm. that you're like, man, this is easy. Yeah, 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 yeah. I put it in work, but when it came to like being in different positions, like being in there on third down and right. being spread out, you know, those right. types of things, you know, I was just like, you know, I'm, I'm running the ball 300 times, so you know. So, <laughs> so that mindset. Who cares if I catch 25 passes or not? Exactly. Mm -hmm. So the next stop is going to be <clears throat> after your career is going to be Canton. What would that mean? That would be that you know obviously that's the culmination. What would that mean to you to 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 go and have a bust in the halls of where the guys that you modeled your game, your heroes, and to know that you're sitting right next to them. You know, I think that's that's the peak. You know, it, it, it doesn't get, you know, better than that. You know, um, in my mind, that in the Super Bowl is like right there, you know, on uh, the same level to, in my mind personally. Um, but that's something that I also thought about when I was a young youngster is, you know, being a Hall of Famer, being considered the best to ever play the game. So in my mind, it's like, okay, well, that's, the bar that I'm setting, then X, Y, and Z should follow. Right. And Hall of Fame is, you know, falls, falls within that. Man, well, good luck. Um, you don't know what the future holds, but I hope it's bright for you as far as your NFL career. I know you want to continue to play and get closer to that record and eventually pass Emmett. So I wish you the best of luck along the way. And thanks for joining me today on Club Shay Shay, bro. Hey, thanks for having me, Shannon. Appreciate yeah, it, bye. Right, bro. Have a good one. All my life. Been grinding all my life, sacrifice, hustle paid the price, want a slice, got to roll the dice, that's why, all my life, I've been grinding all my life, yeah. all my life, been grinding all my life, sacrifice, hustle paid the price, want a slice, got to roll the dice, that's why, all my life, I've been grinding all my life. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX, now playing, and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.